I wanted to talk a little bit about today, and we, we'll go fairly swiftly, we won't um, prolong our session this morning because we've got, uh, among other things, Tim Tams waiting for us, and uh, we don't want to keep them waiting too long. But I wanted to talk a little bit about change. Who's noticed some change today? Different logo, right? Well, there's quite a lot of change coming up for us in the next little while. So I thought it might be a useful reference point uh, for us here today. And I'll try and get out of the way so I'm not um, blocking people's view of the, of the screen. So we've actually got a new, a new logo. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see that that's been refreshed. And um, David mainly, but but all of us together have been working on a web page, so it shouldn't be too long before we've got a web page going. As you know, for the last uh, month or so, our discussion points have been available on iTunes, so you can download the podcasts from iTunes, as well as going the slightly longer route to um, SoundCloud, where the discussion points are, are stored. So we're, we're gradually... Uh, improving all of those things so we can communicate better to the world at large and praise God, he might use that, well he will use that to draw others in so he can minister to them. So one piece of news is that this is the last Sunday Connect at 54 Summerlee Crescent Dormo. Now I'll put this, this photo in deliberately because a few things have changed. Can anyone suggest what what things have changed? Yes, Helen. The bushes out the front of the window. Yeah, there was uh, there was when we arrived here, there was a couple of those little scrappy ferny things which died because it was so dry. There was no garden there, so we've now got quite a large um, clumping bamboo out the front, which is kind of good because it covers the window where my study is and keeps it a little bit cooler. That that tree there, that's. That tree got blown over by a, a decent wind not all that long after we moved in. So the tree out the front, uh, that white cedar out the front, that was a tree we planted ourselves. The letterbox has changed. It's over here now. <laughs> this fence at the side is covered by a jasmine um, plant. So and, and also out the back things have changed a lot when we first moved in here. In fact, when we looked at our house, it wasn't even rendered, it was just um, um, large bricks, which we, we actually quite liked it, but we discovered we weren't allowed to have a brick, a brick finish on the house because of the covenants on this, uh, this estate, so we had to have it all, all um, rendered. And uh, so that happened just before we moved in, and the patio area out the back wasn't covered either, so we, we had the, the roof put on the patio, and... Our so-called vegetable garden, which is um, growing a few aubergines at the moment. Oh, and a pumpkin. Well, I've got one, one pumpkin out there. Um, our so-called vegetable garden is out there as well. So there's been quite a lot of change in our own, in our own um, house. But the big change for Ignite Life Church is that we're moving out of our lounge room, which is at capacity. Yeah, it means we won't have to get up at 5 o'clock on Sunday mornings and clean the floor. <laughs> but we're moving to 39 Mirambina Drive in Pimpama. 
and um, some of you might have been past that building if you've been off on your way to Ormar Railway Station. Um, it's a weird thing that Ormar Railway Station is in Pimpamar, isn't it? But um, there you go. So um, we're, we've actually got units three and four, so that's those ones in there, I think. Um, we've actually, I'm actually signing the lease today. So, long story, but um, the guy who was pastoring there, uh, Sandy Richard, his wife Glenis, they've been there for some, about, I think they've been in there for about three years. They they were hiring the Pimpermar um, School of Arts for a while, and they were planted out of the Dream Centre. So anyway, what's happened is that the um, church there, which is called People's Church, they actually had their last service on Friday night and uh, we had the great blessing of being there and we made a small presentation to uh, Sandy and Glennis who have become good friends of ours and um, we've invited the people who were worshipping with them to come and join us. So some of them will, some of them will probably find that we're not to their liking. We're quite comfortable with that because every, every church has its own kind of mini mini culture but we've just said, look, we want to help you find another church community that is right for you. So we might we might find next Sunday that there are some places that we're not all familiar with of people who have actually been worshipping there for the last few years. So um, we actually take over the lease next Saturday, so I can't actually get in there and do um, very much. But that's changed for us. And actually that's a big change. It is a huge step of faith. It really is. On, on a number of fronts, it's a huge step of faith. But we really felt that now is the time to make the move. That, that meeting in our own lounge room, while it's got a lot of advantages for us because we don't have too far to go to get to church and we've got a pretty fair chance of being here on time every Sunday. But, you know, it's time to grow. It is time to grow. So to grow, we need to get out of home. And I think also that once we're not meeting in a, our private home, there will be some people who might feel reluctant to come into a private home who will come into a public space. So People's Church have been very, very generous um, towards us. It'll virtually be a walk-in, walk-out type of operation. So it's all set up, ready to go. Over time, we will, we will make a, a, a few changes because... Um, we, we can just see some ways of improving the layout and so on. But um, basically, we'll just walk into what was People's Church into their main auditorium and we will use that. So the, the landlord has been also very generous with us. Based on our current budget, we can only um, lease uh, 60 square metres, which is one shop in the building. Very kindly, the landlord has allowed us use of another shop right next door for three months rent-free and we'll see how things go and if at the end of three months we can see that it would still be prudent budget-wise to take on the other one, then we'll take on the other one and of course that will double our rent. So um, we're, we're believing that there will be significant growth over the next three months but if not, it's okay. We, we, we know that we can manage just the 60 square metres over the next 12 months or so. So that's changed for us pretty, pretty significant. 
and uh, there's the, the map. That's Ormo Railway Station over there. Uh, that's, the, that's the road, you know, the entrance into the station. This is Mirambina Drive, which comes off, that's exit 40, 40, 45. 49, is it? I thought, is it? It's 45. Anyway. Um, but all you've got to do to find us actually is pretend you're going to Ormar Railway Station. Most people could do that. Follow the signs. It's Mirambina Drive. If you stay on Mirambina Drive, eventually you'll get to the long, thin building, which is where we are. That's Guara Grove in there. And um, the real estate agent gave me an address of 39 Guara Drive, and that's a private house. <laughs> So um, it's actually 39 Mirambina Drive and we're, we're in Unit 4. So we'll have some signs up by next week. So there you go. That's that's pretty significant change. We may, we'll give you more. We can't do it this Wednesday night, so we'll be here on Wednesday night. Um, I would like to, but we'll just have to see how, how things pan out. So there's a lot of stuff we've still got to sort out. All we know for sure and certain well, yeah, yeah, that'll do. But we, 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 I think we can expect to meet there next Sunday. After that, we'll just have to see how things unfold. But yeah, I would like us to do Wednesday Connect there again. It just because it's more space. But we do have to put another air conditioning unit in. It'll be a bit uncomfortable until we've done that. So, and there'll be a few other things that we we need to do. So, on the theme of change, I just want to have a little look at some verses out of Ephesians 4. And I'd like to preface my remarks by saying, it is so easy to condemn yourself when you read a passage like this. And that's not what I intend to be the outcome, because you guys know that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, as far as God is concerned, there's no condemnation. So God is saying to each one of us, I do not condemn you. Why should we condemn ourselves? And why should others think they have the right to condemn us? So I'm not using this passage to kind of beat you over the head and say, well, you know, You've all done something sinful in the last week and we probably all have. Right? That's not what this is about. This is really about encouraging us to go with the change that comes into our lives because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Right? Jesus is alive in us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit invades us, as it were, the instant we give our life to Jesus Christ. It's all part of that regeneration of the spirit person. It comes about because the Holy Spirit actually comes to reside in us as a temple. That is an amazing thing if you want to sit and meditate on that for a little while. God sees our bodies as a temple. It's a temple in which dwells the Holy Spirit. And no matter what you might think and no matter what other people might think about you, or even say about you, you're not condemned. So you should never take a scripture like this 
and feel condemned. Now you might feel convicted and the difference between condemnation and conviction is that conviction is a motivation to flow with the Holy Spirit in the direction of change that he's encouraging you. Alright? So conviction is actually a positive thing because it motivates you to move on with the Holy Spirit. So let's um, read these couple of verses first. With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now what I really want to focus on is the idea that the Gentiles are hopelessly confused. Now the Gentiles were very, very heavily influenced by Greek thinking and uh, Greek thinking affects us a lot today. And one of the biggest sources of confusion that has come down through the ages through Greek thinking is one, that our body really isn't all that good a thing and two, that there is a separation between that which is, if you like, secular and that which is spiritual. As far as God is concerned, Body, soul and spirit all matter, right? God is not interested in us just having a regenerated spirit. He wants that regenerated spirit, as it were, to take over our soul and our body. And when that happens, of course, we do experience divine health and divine prosperity. That is, we line up with all of the promises in God's words. But when when you think, well, the body doesn't matter, that confuses you because you don't know what to do when your body comes under attack. Right? When you think the spiritual is out here somewhere, you get confused. Because the only way through when you've got an issue which is actually a soul issue, mind, emotions, your will, or a body issue, you keep wanting to reach out to the spiritual. But you don't have to do that. The spiritual is already here. You know, even the idea that God is up there somewhere is a confusion, because he's not. He's everywhere all the time. That's the nature of God, because God is a spiritual being. The the Gentiles, having been influenced by Greek thinking, of course, had many, many gods. Now, one of the problems with their gods was that their gods were capricious. That is, any one of their gods could wake up one morning and say, Oh, no, I don't like Andrew anymore. And stuff up his back for him. And the only way, the only way Andrew could ever be assured that these kinds of things weren't going to happen was that he'd have to do something to appease not just one God, but all the gods who might one day wake up feeling negative towards him. Eh? Yeah, they would sacrifice. And in fact, some of them went as far as sacrificing babies. That's where the term, and, and, and young children, that's where the term gnashing of teeth 
comes from. If they pushed young children into the fire, they would be so frightened that they would literally gnash their teeth. That's where that expression comes from. How confused is that? Think about our world today where people don't have God in their lives. How confused is our thinking about so many things that are actually at the core of the Christian faith. About relationships. About identity. So many things. About what matters. Um, we, we tend to call the way you think about all these things worldview. Um, worldview is, if you like, the, the, the tint on the spectacles through which you see the world. So you can go and buy novelty glasses, right? And some of them have got maybe a red tint, some of them have got a blue tint, some of them have got a green tint, some of them might have a yellow tint. And you put them on, and as you go from one pair of glasses to the next, the whole world looks different, right? And that's what a worldview is all about. And if you talk to people who are not well steeped in the Word of God, you'll find that their thinking is really confused about a whole lot of issues. And even, even in church, we get confused as well. And I, I know that um, I, I've, I've had a habit for a long time of saying, you know, Father God in heaven, you know, when I start to pray, and I'm thinking, actually, yeah, Father God's in heaven, but Father God's right here as well. The idea that God's up there and we're down here goes to that Greek thinking that there are all these gods up there or out there and then here I am. But our God is actually in us by the Holy Spirit. And you know, when you get confused, when you don't actually have a solid world view, you start to think in a confused way and the whole world is thinking in a pretty confused way today. And of course you don't need me to tell you that there is so much um, sin around us that they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, you know, we could come up with a list. I dare say if we sat here for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, we could come up with a big long list. And actually we might find, hmm, I've done that or hmm, I did that just one week ago. And then you all go and get condemned. But this is really more about making yourself your God. And there's a, an approach to, to worldview that essentially says, if it feels right for me, then it must be right. And if what's right for me is not the same thing that is right for Josh, so what? What's right for him is right. What's right for me is right. Well, actually, you know what? We can't live together like that. Because what might be right for me might actually cause hurt to somebody else. And we, we tend not to take that into account. When we live for our own lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learn about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God.
truly righteous and holy. And actually that's how God sees you. This is really about seeing yourself as God sees you. He sees you as righteous and holy. Another word for holy is um, to be set apart. But holiness, what's the flash theological term for being set apart? You know, um, sanctification, right? Sanctification and holiness. The Greek, the Greek word is the same. It's translated both ways as either sanctification or holiness. It's about being set apart from the world for, for God, right? From the world for, for God. And, um, you know, throwing off your old sinful nature, as far as God is concerned, that's happened. As far as God is concerned, that's happened. But see, the word carnal, or carnality, you'll see that used in the Bible a lot. That's what that refers to. To be carnal is to be captive to your old nature. See, when you're, when you're saved, when your, your spirit is regenerated, your soul isn't and your body isn't simultaneously. There are some theologians who would argue with that. But the carnality comes primarily through the soul, through the choices you make. And so what God is saying is, hey, you know, I've placed in you this new spirit, a regenerated spirit that cannot sin. What you have to do, your job if you like as a Christian, is to let the regenerated spirit, the new person, invade and take over the soul and the body so that you don't live carnally. Living carnally, a lot of people think living carnally, oh well, you know, that's having a lot of sex when I shouldn't and uh, drinking too much and all that sort of jazz. But carnality is simply living without the Holy Ghost as your constant guide. It's as simple as that. So if I, if I make a decision without really seeking the wisdom of God, I'm being carnal. It, it's not really, you don't have to, you don't even have to engage in sin to be carnal. It's really just living your life without that constant reference to the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know whether I'll get this finished because I really don't want to hold everybody up. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth for all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. It certainly does. Um, Crimes of passion. They're the most difficult to deal with. Did you know that? And uh, you can't explain them either because they are generally they're motivated by anger. But we do a whole lot of silly things when we get angry, including we make rash decisions. We often make irreversible decisions when we're angry. And we can't actually go back and fix up all the problems that they cause. But I like this idea about stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth. Because I actually think this is hinting at this idea of worldview, that way of looking at the world it's going to either be based on the Word of God or it's going to be based on something the devil has placed in this world. There's only two options. There's only two options. So, a worldview which is fully uh, based on God's Word, that's where you will find truth. Everything else is a lie. What? The idea that you don't matter, that's a lie. The idea that you're just a number, you're just a cog in the wheel, that's a lie. 
Because the truth is God loves you and God loves you enough He would have sent Jesus to the cross if you were the only sinner who had ever walked on the face of this earth. Right? You matter to God. That's the truth. That's just one example of the difference between lies and truth. And yes, sometimes even our own brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, sometimes they need to hear the truth. You know what? If we didn't need to hear the truth, you wouldn't ever have to listen to a discussion point. Or if you're going to a Catholic church or Anglican church to a sermon, you'd never have to listen to a sermon if the truth was there and you were operating on that basis all the time anyway. Now this is a special one here for people who were thieves before they got saved. Look at this. If you are a thief, hey, quit stealing. In other words, if you're doing anything that's not consistent with the Word of God, stop doing it. Right? It's just good advice. Not condemning anybody. Good advice. Go with the Holy Spirit. Flow with the changes He's trying to implement in your life. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. I'm right in the middle of writing some stuff for an international conference I'm going to, which is on the compassion of Jesus Christ, which is this stuff, generously. Generosity is a hallmark of those who have really understood the kingdom of God. In Old Testament times, generosity and righteousness were the same thing. You couldn't be a righteous person. In other words, you could not be someone whom God has considered as fulfilled the law unless you were a generous person. So generosity and righteousness are like two sides of the same coin. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So what's wrong with using like harsh swear words? They hurt people. Simple as that. Simple as that. They hurt people. They don't... And, and usually when you swear, there's a whole bunch of emotion that comes out with it at the same time, right? Most often anger. And um, I, I hate watching movies that are just full of foul language because I don't actually think it encourages anybody, it doesn't edify it doesn't build us up. So he's not saying if you swear you'll go to hell, all right? You can swear like a trooper, Swear like a sailor for all I care. You're not going to go to hell, but let me tell you, you're not going to encourage anybody to stay out. You know what I mean? That's why God doesn't want you to do it. It's not, it's not because you'll go to hell if you do. It's because that kind of language does not encourage people. Simple as that. And I think I've just got one more quick scripture here. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Now look, again, you can read that and think, oh well, that's all about sinning. I'm doing alright this week, so I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit. But listen, the way you live is determined by what you understand from the Word of God and is determined by the quality of the relationship that you have with Him. And it's a personal relationship. God isn't a God out there. God is a person. Jesus is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we have a personal relationship. I've I've said to you guys before that I even talk to God on my way to work and say, do I stay on the M1 or do I get off onto a service road? And I don't, you know, like all the time God will speak to me and say, you want to stick to lane two 
on the M1 today and off I go to work. It's just amazing. And, um, you know, this whole business about leasing the building, I'm actually leasing it in my own name. The reasons are a little bit complicated, but it will protect Ignite Life Church. So that means if ultimately if something goes horribly wrong, I personally carry the can. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a hero. I'm saying that because I've prayed about it and I have confidence that I just have to be wise. I'll do everything according to the law. It'll be okay. But I've had that lease for over a week and I didn't sign it straight away. I wanted to get that, that unction from the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need. So it's about living our lives as children of God, really understanding we've been adopted into his household and he sees us as he sees Jesus, right? Because if you go back to um, ancient times in, in, in Israel, you became, a, you, regardless of whether you were the blood son of, of somebody, you actually officially became their son when you were just like them. And as far as God is concerned, guess what? You're just like Jesus. So don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And this is not just about losing your temper or doing something sinful. It really is about your understanding of the Word of God. And that's why I encourage everybody, take responsibility for yourself and read the Word of God. I know, I've lost count of the number of people who God has taught how to read through the Bible. I know so many people who are virtually illiterate, but God actually taught them how to read when they started to open up their Bible. And, you know, I've been studying the Bible for best part of 30, well, really, I started when I was about 12 years of age. So, you know, I've been going for quite a long time. I still find stuff in the Word of God that I've never seen before. And um, it's amazing now when I write things like I'm doing today, um, how much comes to mind from what I've learned over many, many, many years of reading his word and meditating on his word. Get rid of all bitterness, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You meditate on what it actually means to have been forgiven. Wow, that is such a powerful thing. And if you understand, come to a revelation of what it means to be forgiven, you will be ready to forgive others. And this, you know, this is all about what's good for you. Bitterness, rage, anger, a, a lifestyle of speaking harsh words, it'll kill you. It might kill other people too, but, but other people, it just might be water off a duck's back, but it'll kill you for sure. You, I guarantee a lifetime of bitterness, harsh words, anger, rage, you'll have a heart attack or a stroke. I guarantee it. I've seen it in people. And I've met people and I'm thinking, you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke. And sure enough, they keep up that behaviour, they have a heart attack or a stroke. So they want to live a long life. And I hope you all do, because I'm going to live till I'm 120, so you've got to live at least until I die, and all of you are younger than I am. So you've got a long, long way to go yet. I'm only 60. 
I've got another 60 years to go, so think about that, right? So get rid of all this stuff, because that stuff will kill you. Anyway, I think I've said more than enough, because those Tim Tams are, are waiting. So let's have a little bit of community time, eh? God bless you, thank you.